if you just go out and, and drop a ball where about your eight irons from and you play in and then add nine to that score if that score is higher than you typically play it means your your short games where you lose most of your strokes if you're if that score is lower than you typically play then drivers where you lose most of your strokes so it kind of gives you a great insight but i also think it's a great way to have kids see success you're listening to the birdie dad podcast they can't make a birdie but they can dad and now your hosts jared brian and trevor If I asked you, what's the best part of your golf game right now, and you answered putting, you're wrong. In this interview, we explain why with Ben Pelicani of Pelly Golf. Ben was rated one of Golf Digest's best young teachers of the year, and he shares with us why putting is not the best part of your game. Also in this interview, Ben shares how we should teach a 12-year-old to golf right now And this is great for any dads or golf coaches out there. Before we get into this episode, remember to go to our website at birdiedads.com and check out our great stuff and subscribe to this podcast on whatever player you're listening to. Okay, let's get into it with Ben. Good morning, golfers. I'm Jared and my co-hosts Trevor and Brian are back with us today. And we have a fantastic guest, Ben Pelicani, or you may know him on Instagram as Pelligolf, where he is absolutely crushing it. Ben, we are here ready with our dad gear today. So welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Trevor Bryan, how are we doing this morning? Good, good. Yeah, back in the land of living. Last couple of days, we had a big storm up here and we lost uh, power and internet for a good solid 24 hours. And uh, kids were home. Kids, having kids at home without power or internet is it's a nightmare. I don't know how, I don't know how they did it before, before TV and and internet. Hopefully your iPads were charged. Yes. Yes. Luckily. (laughs) Ben, I did a quick search on Google and your resume of students you've worked with is incredible. You have worked with some elite golfers from junior to collegiate and professional. Uh, Give us a snapshot of Pelly Golf. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you that all their successes, because I got a lot of guys who work really, really hard and and kind of buy into what we do. Uh, But, you know, I I think I'm like a lot of people. I I love golf. Uh, I played in high school. I was kind of driven by a brother who told me I would make the golf team. Uh, He was he's two years ahead of me. He played number one for us. Uh, he told me I wouldn't make the team and he's probably right. When I was, I I never really picked up golf until eighth grade. And that summer, I I think my handicap started at 36. And I I think by the time I I played in Maryland, we were in Maryland at the time for high school golf. Uh, it was a fall sport. And I think I got down to like a 10 and I ended up playing number two behind my brother by the time the season was out. And uh, so I kind of got pushed that way. I always wanted to be a division one athlete and, and as a six foot white kid with no vertical, uh, decided that golf was kind of a good avenue to do that. And so I got, I got to play uh, college golf at Bucknell university and, and I was never the best one there either. Uh, we had some talented kids in front of us, but I was fortunate enough to make the starting lineup throughout my college career. And, and for some dumb reason, thought I could try to play. Uh, and, and had some mild success playing in New England before going down to Florida. And those guys are just so good. 
I mean, it's unbelievable when you finally get down there to see how good these guys are who end up quote unquote, never making it. Uh, you know, I thought I played well, shot 69 and lost by five. Right. So, you know, they're just, there's so much talent and, and guys are so good. And, uh, and kind of how I got into coaching was I just kind of wanted to keep playing and it was kind of an avenue that allowed me to do that. And, and then I got a really good chance. Uh, Mike Bender down in Florida brought me on to run his junior development program. And, and I got to do that. And so between Mike's guidance, my desire as a, as a player to learn and kind of grow, uh, that side of it. And, and I always had this strong desire to be a college coach and that's what brought me now to Nashville. And so I spent five years as an assistant coach at Lipscomb university and was kind of part of their progression in, in division one golf, which was really, really fun and grew me as a teacher, but as a mid-major assistant, you have to make money. Uh, and, and I had a young family, uh, growing at that time. And so, you know, between all of those things it you know, those kind of all feed into Pelly golf, um, in, in who I am. I, I come from this kind of unique lens of, I was a mechanical engineer major in college. I love to play. I'm a little old school in that, in that standpoint, I'm 36 and, and I kind of make the claim that like, I'm my age is the defining line of guys who grew up playing old equipment and new equipment. I think if, if you find guys a little younger than I am, you know, they never had to play with a wooden headed club or <laughs> their three wood had graphite in it and it has a shaft, yeah. right? Like I grew up with a steel shafted three wood. <laughs> I mean, gosh, um, or never played with the pro V one, right. Or those type of things. Lasers didn't exist until like two years after college for me. Um, track man, I actually worked for track man a year out of college and that was Oh seven and it was just hitting the market. So, you know, it's just, so much change through that little era. Um, but there's some old school in me and, and then obviously calling Mike Bender, my friend and, and mentor has meant a lot and grown me as a teacher. So kind of Pelly golf has this unique, uh, side of it where, you know, the, the art in, in respect of the playing side meets the science side, uh, from my engineering background. And then, you know, from the coaching side, I, I think being a college coach has really shaped me as a, as a, as a teacher as well, because I think then balancing, okay, how do you play, build your technical skill set, but then apply it and and how do you do that with people who are trying to compete kind of has grown me as, as a teacher. Um, I think a lot of times you look at Pelly golf now and I'm, I'm pretty convicted about my beliefs, uh, which I think is, you know, <laughs> can get me in trouble sometimes, but uh, I, I truly believe this is still a game about controlling the golf ball. Uh, I know sometimes I'm out on that Island right now. Uh, I think hitting it far is really, really important. I do. And, but I think controlling your golf ball, if, if you go ask guys who, who pay their rent check, um, I think I just saw an, an interview from Harris English who just won this past week. He, he basically said, you know, I had a two way miss. And once I, I figured out how to control my driver a little bit better, you know, my game started coming back. Like it's still about how, how straight you hit it. Um, you know, but obviously now on tour it's, you have to hit it straight and really, really far. So it's, it's an interesting blend of those two, but yeah, that's, that's kind of who I am and, and kind of how Pelly golf kind of has been put together. It's, it's a love of, of helping people walk this game and, and, you know, I still love to play it myself. So I, I think it's, it's 
an appreciation for how hard this game is. Mm. It is super hard. Yeah, and you're also Golf Digest Best Young Teacher. You, you've you earned that accreditation, right? So, I mean, what does it take to get that? Uh, I just kind of joke I haven't annoyed enough people yet. <laughs> um, yeah, the Golf Digest Best Young Teachers list, I've been fortunate enough. Uh, it just came out recently, and, and so this will be my third stint on that. And, and I've been best in state now a couple times, recognized on that list as well. You know, a little bit of it's who you know. A little bit of it is uh, having some players who play well at a high level. I, you know, there's different types of golf instructors out there. There's, you know, working with tour players is its own unique animal. Working with juniors is its own animal. Working as uh, like a golf school instructor is its own animal. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes that list uh, does tries to encompass all levels of, of teachers, you know, again, I think I've gotten lucky. I've had a few people play well at the right time and, and, and my name was associated with them. And then, you know, you put into the fact that, you know, some of the people I've known in the golf industry have been a part of those lists as well and, and helped me be introduced to the right people. So, you know, it's a little bit of it's luck. Um, a little bit, it's about understanding that Golf Digest is, hmm. is about selling magazines a little bit. And so if you can help them create content or, or you help bring eyeballs to what they do. Uh, they, they're more likely inclined to, to help you out. But, you know, I, I think there's just so many good teachers out there now. And, and I've just been kind of lucky to be a part of it. Cool. So you're working with junior golfers and let's say we have a 12 year old, our 12 year old son sitting here and he's not into golf. Where, where do you start with him? Well, I, I think it's a hard one to understand how to get them into golf. Right. But let's just take a 12 year old who might say have some interest in golf. I think most juniors want to see success early. So I think providing them opportunities to be successful is really, really important. So if that means for them, uh, I do this, you know, I'm, I'm now a high school coach for a local high school here. And the very first thing we do is we play golf for the boys at 150 yards and we play the girls at 125 yards and we just drop a ball in the middle of fairway and we play. And I do that at the high school level to, to provide the opportunity to show them like, okay, where do you lose your strokes? Right. Is it off the tee or is it, or is it into the green? It's actually a great exercise. I think for all golfers to do, if you just go out and, and drop a ball where about your eight irons from, and you play in and then add nine to that score. If that score is higher than you typically play, it means your, your short games where you lose most of your strokes. If you're, if that score is lower than you typically play, then drivers where you lose most of your strokes. So it kind of gives you a great insight, but I also think it's a great way to have kids see success, right? Drive hitting a driver's hard. So take that barrier out of the equation early on and allow them to see success. And, and then from there, you know, I, I think getting instruction and, and, you know, obviously take a grain of salt cause that's who I am, but I, I think getting instruction in early age is important. And I think giving some foundation, but also know that with 12 year olds, this, that next like three to four years is really, really hard for them in golf because their bodies are changing. So as kids' bodies change, their feels that produce certain results don't produce the same results anymore because physically their body has changed. And so 12 to 16 years old is, is like a really hard time for kids because they want to play well, 
They want to see success. They might've had success, but literally they're not the person they were a year ago or six months ago because their body changed. So, you know, it's a really, I, I work, I'm fortunate to work with a lot of kids around that age and you just got to continue to pound away and say like, here's some fundamentals. We'll keep going through it. We know that this is hard. And I think appreciating that and walking with that through that or with them through that is really, really important. But yeah, I think it's a frustrating age for them because what produces good results and then is, is physically just different for them. And it's not their fault. I think understating that as parents is really important yeah. as well. Yeah, that's the, we're a little bit younger ages than that. Mine, I'm seven and nine, you know, and they're, they're kind of getting to it. But, uh, you know, it's like you said, you can't really kind of focus or break down their swing because it changes the next day, you know. And so for me, I'm just trying to find fun ways to keep the kids, you know, involved in the game. But I also need other drills to kind of at least have them understand, well, if they hit it right, why they do that. And so that's 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 where I'm at right now. Do you have any pointers for me as a seven and nine year old dad? Well, so mine are a little bit younger. I, I got three and a half and almost six. So I, I got a couple of years until we get, get to you. I, I think the most important thing with kids at that age, little ones, the, I, I call them the littles is make sure they hold the club, right? Make sure they uh, know that the backswing is a turning motion and then make sure they can stick a finish. Mm-hmm. I think if you can do those things with the littles, uh, you're in a really, really good place. You know, it's a little bit of how Tiger's dad taught Tiger to play. It's like, you can swing as hard as you want, as long as you can keep your balance. Right. And so think about this golf is no different than any other athletic motion. So when you teach a little kid how to throw a ball, at least this is my dad's been a gym teacher for 40 plus years at the elementary and high school level. When you teach someone to throw a ball, one of the ways to do it is you stick them in a hula hoop and you say, okay, we're going to turn back. We're going to step out of the hula hoop. And you're going to throw a ball. That's, that's how you teach kids to throw a ball. So there's this rotary motion. There's this lateral motion. Then there's a rotary motion. So I don't care if it's a beginner golfer or a kid. I think learning to turn, bump, turn is beneficial for every level of golfer. And I think when they can see it as a rotary lateral rotary, which I've never used those words with yeah, right. a seven or nine year old. <laughs> I don't right? even know what those mean. No. Just <laughs> yeah. So, but I would, I would say, Hey, we, we got to rotate. Right. And so teaching them how to just turn without moving around is super important. Teaching them kind of quote unquote to bump or shift their weight in their left side or however, you know, however it resonates with them. And then to turn through and understand not to kind of push off the back foot, but like the back foot just gets pulled up, right? Like those little phrases I think can be really, really beneficial. And then honestly, I don't, for my kids, I don't care where they hit the golf ball. Like you're, you're seven and nine, or in my case, like I got a, my, my daughter, my, my soon to be six-year-old says she much rather play the golf where you don't have to chase the ball, which means the driving range. Um, <laughs> She doesn't like the one where you have to chase yeah. it. She's like the one where you have to chase it. I don't like that, that golf. I like the golf. Uh, but I think, like, I don't know. There's only ever been three U S junior or what was it? World junior champions under the age of 12. So like they do this thing, like the junior worlds 12 and under, right. There's only ever been three who have gone on to win a PJ tour yeah. and it's Phil Rory and Tiger. Okay. So yeah, no, just let them, let them do whatever they want to do in some sense. But as long as they're turning, 
as long as they can stick their finish and they're kind of getting up onto that, that trail foot at the end, because again, that you wouldn't want your kid to throw off his back foot and stay back there when they throw a ball. But that idea of, of turn, bump, turn, or, um, however, you know, people want to, to use that phrasing, um, to me is just so important with the little kids. And, and, and I mean, I, I drill at home. I mean, if, if a 10 year old came to my lesson T first off, we'd never do more than 30 minutes, but they would come to my lesson T and that would be pretty much the lesson I'd give them. And, and maybe we'd teach them a little bit about arm structure. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. It depends. It depends on how engaged they are. Right. (laughs) But you know, make it fun for them and make sure they can understand and, and hit the ground in the same spot. And then after that, you know, sure. You can, you can educate them and say, Hey, the ball starts where the club face is pointing. So your ball started way, right. Where do you think that club face was pointing when you hit it? And they go to the way, you know, the kids are smart. They're going to say to the right. Okay. Well, how would you make it go left and just Mm -hmm. let them figure it out. I, I, it's an interesting uh, dynamic we have right now in junior golf. So, and this is one of those like uphill in the snow, barefoot stories, right? (laughs) Because kids, this, this generation coming through are by far the best junior golfers we've ever seen. I mean, they're, they're unbelievable instructions, better. They have instruction at their fingertips with, with apps, with YouTube, uh, with Instagram. They have, everyone has a a phone and they can film their swing. I didn't see my swing until I was 24 years old. I played college golf my entire life and never saw my swing on video. They have TrackMan. They have, uh, you know, body sensors that tell them how to turn. Like, technically speaking, this generation is off the charts good. What's not as good in this generation is awareness. How to self-correct. What does that mean? Um, so I'm a little old school in this in regard. Like, I'll take my junior golfers and I'll go throw a ball on dirt and say, okay, now, now hit me a little nippy wedge off of this. Or I'll go throw a ball in a tree. Now hit me a cut, hit me a draw. Like, well, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, figure it out. Right. And so I think when you can blend that size, so some of this old school stuff, like how do you hit off these lies? How do you self-correct? Don't take those away from kids. And I think that's really important as parents. And it's going to be really hard for me because it is my job to help correct people in their golf game is let them self-discover. Now, don't let them self-discover to the point where they're so frustrated. They don't want to hit a golf ball. But self-discovery is so, so important for junior golfers, uh, mostly with little kids. Let them figure it out. Sure, give them a framework. Teach them how to turn. Teach them what a good finish looks like, right? Because if you start good and you end good, you probably did a lot in the middle good. You can tell I wasn't an English major. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Like If they can start set up right, they can, you know turn back decent and they know what a good finish looks like, they're probably going to figure out the stuff in the middle. Let them self-discover a little bit. And I think it's so important for this generation to be allowed and given the opportunity to have those tools because the other stuff is actually not hard now. I mean, just with technology, it's just so easy to help people get better. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing it down that way. You know, simplicity is key even for me. So I I think I understood more in that last uh, segment that you just explained than I have in all the golf lessons I've ever taken. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you could, I could go down the rabbit hole of social media and you talk about it when these kids only see the best of what's posted. And that's what we put on. We don't put our worst swings on Instagram unless we want to make some meme page, but these kids only see the best. And I I could see how for junior golfers, that could be real defeating to some that they think I'm I'm not to that level. It, It can be, but 
I mean, if you think about it, it's all we've ever seen as golfers, right? So right. who do you watch on TV before Tiger, pre-Tiger? Who have we seen on TV? The leaders. And guess Greg, what the leaders Greg are? Norman. That was who I grew up <laughs> watching, Greg Norman. But but you only watch the leaders because they're the ones playing that way. You're not watching the guy struggling to make the cut or coming in mm-hmm. 80th, right. right? Now, television broadcasts have been expanded. So we are starting to see tour players struggle more frequently. But for the most part, the only people we're watching are the leaders. And if you look at any player who wins on tour, they are the statistical anomaly of themselves. So they will be the outlier on the positive side, obviously, of their statistics. Mm -hmm. That's why they win that week. So other than Tiger, we've never actually seen someone struggle on the golf course. So yes, Instagram, but, but I think that's, that's like a general parent question now, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, right. Yeah. it's not just golf. I mean, that's, that's everything we see now in the world is we only see people's best. Whereas before it was only, well, they only saw it in the magazine or they just saw it on, you know, the three hours of coverage on Sunday you saw of a golf round. It's no different. I mean, you can insert any topic into that social media, Instagram, whatever now just magnifies this idea that perfect is out there all the time, right? Before it was just in the magazine that we saw or just in, you know, insert whatever, you know, type of media we had back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, let's get into, I sent you a little more golf. I sent you Trevor's swing and selfishly, I want to hear the flaws in Trevor's swing because uh, Brian and I play with him a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, be brutally honest because we need an advantage next time we play. I would love to get and in games. his head. And, and, and this is, this is, this is payback. So my swing has already been analyzed once and Trevor wanted to make me cry. So uh, this is payback for me. Uh, make <laughs> Bring me cry. It on, right? <laughs> well, so, so first I got to ask you the two questions I ask every student that I have. And yes, I, I have an idea of where I want to go with this, but uh, the two questions I always ask every student who comes in for the first time is what's the best part of your game? Okay. I would. Okay. And I'm so glad and, it's not me. That's all. Yeah. So that, that's the first uh-huh. question. And then the second question we're going to ask you is uh, what's the miss you hate the most? Uh, so the first question is what, what is the best part of your game? I guess best part of my game actually would be, for the limited time I spend practicing as a dad, I would say actually putting, which sounds mm-hmm. weird. Um, but no, everybody okay. says right. that. By That's, the way. A okay. Trevor. That's a cop out, Trevor. That's a cop out. No, we're, we're going to tell you why. Swing. We're going to tell you why that that is why everybody says it yeah. first. Also, the fact that you had to think about that is a lot about how we play mm-hmm. golf, right mm-hmm. there, right? Because you're like, I don't know what. Because you could tell me everything wrong. Yeah, with your game. Mm-hmm. yeah. I pick all the negatives. But, out easy. Yeah. So. So yeah, first let's, off, let's here's talk why about I, those for a little bit. Though. Yeah. What was your later. negative? You didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, for, let, let's touch on why everyone says putting is the best part of their game. Here's why everyone says putting is the best part of their game. So everyone stinks hitting the golf ball. So what, what happens by the time you get to the green, first off, you don't hit the green regulation. So, and if you do, you know, it's probably a short hole, but no one hits the green regulation. So you, you're not a very good chipper. So what you chip it to 15 mm-hmm. feet. And you don't really three putt from 15 feet. So you two putt a lot and occasionally you make a 15 footer and you go, Hey, look, I'm a good putter. And that's why everyone says they're a good putter is because they're not good chippers and they don't hit greens. And so they hit a lot of balls like 10, 15 feet and they two putt and they go, Hey, I'm, I'm a good putter. 
And then the first thing that happens in the second lesson that everyone comes back to me is when they start hitting it a little bit better, guess what? They go, man, my putting's awful. Now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no, you just never hit <laughs> it to that. 35 feet before. Now you three putt because you're not actually a good putter. And <laughs> so like it, everyone says the same answer. I go, what's the best part? I'm a good putter. Like, eh, are you, or are you just really a bad ball striker and not a good chipper? And so you chip it to 15 yeah. feet a lot. Man, Trevor, yeah. I'm starting to see some tears yeah, coming down. He just broke yeah, it down like, real hard for me there. <laughs> you're like, wow, you, how did you do Son my golf a... game? That's how I played yeah, the exactly. other day. So what's the miss you hate the most? Uh, you know, I, not, not the one that's most frequent, frequent, which one do you hate the most? Um, the duck hook. I mean, that's probably, you know, that's the one that you're always going to lose OB. You're never going to have a, a duck hook staying, staying bounds. So that's probably my, my biggest thing. That, that leads to the most strokes. I would say what's, what's the one that happens most frequently? Um, probably just a, a push, like a, a, just a gentle fade push that I'm just, you know, this is real soft and like 30, yeah, 30 feet yeah, short right. of what you want to, where you want to be. Yeah. So do you guys see how those two match up a lot over correction? We all have fear. We all have fears in our golf. Like I fear, right. Mm -hmm. So my most frequent miss is quick left. Why? Because I don't want to hit it right. And so everyone goes, Oh man, you hooked the ball or, um, it doesn't help that all day I have to help people correct fade. So I have to, you know, (laughs) exaggerate coming from the inside too much and then go play and I hit it quick left. But the, um, we typically build our golf swings off of the anti ear. And so your golf swing is kind of built that way. And so here's, here's like, when I look at your golf swing, you do some, you do some things well, and, and think about this. There's three things, kind of main general areas in our golf swing, what our body does, what our hands and arms do, and then the timing or sequencing of those. And the way I explain sequencing and, and as dads, you'll appreciate this. My three-year-old came in once beaming of pride, right? Like she had brushed her teeth at night. And so we walk into the bathroom and there's the toothbrush with toothpaste on it. And I go, oh, Lily, you're going to have to walk me through this one. <laughs> and she goes, uh, I, I took the toothbrush. I got it wet. I brushed my teeth and then I put toothpaste on. Yeah. You're good job, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> um, you did everything right, but you did it in the, in the wrong order. So you can turn correctly. You can use your body correctly. You can do the right things with your hands and arms, but if the sequencing or timing of those things are off, then it doesn't work either. So again, those are the three main areas in your golf swing. What does your body do? What does your hands and arms do? And then how do you time or sequence those things up? You turn, you use your body pretty well. Could it be better? Probably we all can. We're dads, which means what? We're all inflexible. We all have tight hips. We all sit and ride in cars too much. We all can use our body better. Uh, but your framework of that's probably good enough, functional enough to, to make this work. Uh, your problem is what you do with your hands and arms and, and probably a little bit of, of knowledge of, of sequence as well. And so when I watch your golf swing, you're, you're kind of the classic guy who, who, was athletic in college and then took up golf. And the reason I say that Nailed it. is <laughs> exactly. yeah. this is so good. This is your, perfect. your first move away. So I, I kind of think of it as like a domino effect, mm-hmm. right? So, so what is actually your problem? Your problem is if you think about this from impact backwards is your problem is you have a club face that gets off. And you know, if you're hitting soft weak fades, that means your path has to be a little out to in. So why is your path out to in? Well, I think it stems from your takeaway. And so 
the two things that I, I kind of would work on if you were coming to my lesson T was first is your takeaway. I mean, you start on a path that makes it really hard to be a great ball striker. So if you watch on the PGA tour, there's only ever really been two people who pl- who've played on tour where the club head gets inside their hands as a, t- as, as the first move out. Okay. And it's Raymond Floyd and it's Daniel Berger. And no one's ever come to my lesson to you saying, I want to swing it like Daniel Berger and Raymond Floyd. <laughs> I mean, you know, here in Tennessee, we say, bless your yeah. heart, right? Like, yeah. bless your heart, bless your heart. That, 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 that they can do that. But, <laughs> but it's true. Like the first move away is your hands go out, the club rolls in and you're done. So because, and, and think about it this way, because typically we unhinge it the way we hinge it, you have a lot of, you know, technical golf term here, right? Is horizontal hinging or a better way to think about it is when you use your wrists, you can either use it like a hammer that'd be up, down or vertical or horizontal. That'd be like a paintbrush. So you have your first move is hands out and you start trying to like paint a wall or your club head gets way inside your hands. And, and you actually sent me the, the video. I think I lost your club head at shaft parallel in the backswing. Like your club head was like out of the camera. Yeah. So your first move is hands out, club sucks in. Well, now you're done. You got Mm -hmm. no chance because golf is pretty much like a seesaw. So typically what we do in the backswing, we're going to do the opposite coming down. So when the club goes in early, it's going to want to go out late. And that's what happens in your golf swing. And so because you hinge it a lot right-handed, you unhinge it a lot right-handed And so that's why we see those quick hooks sometimes is the right hand comes flying Mm -hmm. through. And so in your golf swing, if you want to, you know, figure out a way to like, Hey, I want to start taking that away. You got to learn how to get your hands to move more in early, which is really what it's just allowing your body turn. Cause if, if you took your hands and put it against your body and just turned to the right, your hands would track Mm -hmm. more in. And so you got to use your, your turn a little bit early to get your hands to track a little bit more in. And then you got to learn how to hinge that club more up or more vertically as you do that. And so that's kind of the key is can you start the domino effect where that club works more out, club head work more, works more out early, hands work mm-hmm. more in, which then we can flip it in the downswing which is the hands would be a little bit more out. The club would be more in or what we call coming from the inside or, you know, what, what we call being shallow, whatever, you know, buzzword we all like to use these days. Um, And then from there that I think you'll find that's more of a hinging motion with your lead arm or your left Mm -hmm. hand. And so you're going to be hinging it more up with your left, which then allows you to do what unhinge it more with your left. And if you learn to how to unhinge it more with your left, not with your right, then there goes the snap hook, snap hook's mm-hmm. gone. And that leads to the second thing that I'd probably try to try to get accomplished on my lesson T is get your finish in, in a better place. And again, it goes to this idea. If you start good and end good, then you probably did a lot in the middle. Good. Um, so if you could learn how to turn and hinge the club better going back and then learn how to not over rotate and throw your right hand going through. So if you watch your finish, your, your shoulders over rotate, right? You never want your shoulders really go past um, perpendicular to the target line. And we see your right arm kind of wrapping around Mm -hmm. you, which think about this, where do we want all the energy of the ball of your club head to go Uh, straight to the target? 
right? No, I want it to go into oh, the yeah. ball. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, want, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right? right? So if all of our, and this is, this is the engineer in me that now it's just a collision problem. So if, if we were, and this isn't possible, right? Cause club head's much, much bigger than the ball. But if we put all the energy of the club head into the ball, the club head would just stop. Well, that can't happen because the club head's really big and the ball's really small. So we want to kind of coast to a finish. Well, you wrap around in your finish. And so you have a lot of wasted energy or energy that did not go into the ball gets carried through. And so, you know, it, this is like, I take it as a compliment because if, if people did follow me on Instagram, they would say like, I only post the same six things, but from different camera angles. And they're true. I, I only post six things and from different camera angles, but people keep following me. So I'm going to keep doing it. But I mean, if you look at really good, really good ball strikers, right. Mostly with their irons, you see this almost sawed off look, right. The, the exaggeration would be Tommy Fleetwood. But I, I mean, if you think about Rory's progression over the last couple of years, I don't know if it's just because he hangs out with Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood a lot, but his finish has gotten a lot tighter. Now with driver, it's going to be a little bit different because we don't hit the ground. You're swinging at 20% faster than your seven iron. It's, you know, whatever it is, six, seven inches longer. So there's more momentum carrying you through. So you're not going to, you know, I'm not advocating a Tommy Fleetwood style finish with a driver, but it is a great drill with driver. It's, it's one that I do a lot with my students. So, you know, the two things I think in your golf swing are, can you start taking it away you know, I, I use the phrase on plane, but, but can you get your hands to track in the club head to track more up or out? And then from there, which is changing the way you hinge, which should provide us a better opportunity in the way you unhinge. Mm-hmm. So less right-handed away. Why? So we don't have to be right-handed going through. And then can we start sticking our finish or transferring all of our energy to the ball not carrying it through wrapping around and wasting all this energy. And so, you know, if you did those things, do I think you hit the swipey hot 30 yards short? I, I probably not because more energy is going into the golf ball. Do I think you snap hook it? Well, not if you're to- if you're not tossing your right hand anymore, it's probably gonna be pretty hard to do that. So, you know, I, I think you would eliminate those misses right off the bat. Now, my guess, because this is I have a lot of people who come to my lesson tee is when you first start that you're going to leave balls out to the right, not like the high swipe cut. Right. Cause that's like the most disgusting shot yeah. in my mind. There's just going to be like really solid, but like these big pushes. And it's because you've never learned to square the, the club face with your lead or, or left wrist. You've always tossed it with your right. And so once you learn how to hinge it, you got to learn how to unhinge it and square it up more with your lead and less with your trail and that's usually the progression, how that works, because people don't normally know instinctively uh, square it up with their lead hand. Ah, that's awesome. It, oh, go that, ahead, this is perfect. I think I, I think that was a very kind, yeah. but I think there's enough ammunition. Yeah, Brian's going to take it from it, here. It, it, <laughs> yeah, you, de- you definitely gave us an, enough ammunition there, too. Like, I think I have the perfect trigger word for Trevor. You're, you're painting again, Trev. You're painting the course, <laughs> you're man. painting. Yeah, yeah so love it. Yeah, you know, I guess, yeah. I guess the one thing I'd ask you back there is just I've always thought to kind of bring back my hands, even with the the plane of my, my toes, you know, so I always set the alignment rod kind of right in front of where my feet should be. And and then I think that my club head should be kind of right at the end of that alignment ride back straight back. But what you're saying is I'm, I'm bringing it back way too quick from that. I should bring it outside of that in my, in my own mind. Yeah. So, so one of my favorite drills, and again, um, you know, my mentor uh, is Mike Benders and, and I believe a lot in, in training feedback tools. And so here's going to be my, 
my 30 second pitch of why, when you practice, you should practice with training aids. So I think we all can appreciate this as, as parents of little kids, I got one actively in kindergarten. And so when you, when they teach kindergartners how to write and they still do this, at least they do at my school, uh, what did they do? They trace, they, they trace mm-hmm. letters, right? And, and think about the progression in which they do. There's dotted letters for them to trace in the, in early in the year, it's like eight trace letters in one by themselves. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the year, it's like trace one letter, you know, write eight next to it. And then by the time they're in first grade, the picture's on the wall. So they're still going to give them some, some feedback, but Hey, the picture's on the wall. And then by the time third grade comes around, there's no more picture, right? They just expect them to do it. But think about that progression as well. Like there's feedback first if they did it right or wrong. And so that's how I think we should learn to change our golf swing. So one of the drills I love, and, and you can see this, you know, it's, it's littered around my, my Instagram page is, is the cone drill with a hand plane noodle. And so I always say my, my lesson to you looks like a bad yard mm-hmm. sale by the end of the day. But I think those, those kind of style of training, we don't as parents, and, and maybe, maybe I'm just the bad dad here, but like if my daughter makes a bad looking A, I don't go, oh, good job. I go, no, that's a horrible A. <laughs> but if she's not doing it next to the other A's, right? With the dotted paper where you have like the two solid lines and the line in the middle that's dotted. Like I can't say, see how that A got all the way to that dotted line or see when you trace this A, it looks like this, right? So that allows me feedback as well. And if she says something along the lines of, well, that just seems too big. You go, well, no, that's actually appropriate, right? And that's kind of how students are work on that I work on with the lesson T. They'll go, well, no, no, that can't be right. Well, so what do you do? You film it. And when you film it, you go, oh, okay. Yeah, that looks, that looks normal, but that's not what it feels like. And you go, well, that's okay. Right. So I, I think, you know, having visuals helps, but I would say that kind of drill would be more of like the, the first or second grade approach, not like, Hey, it's, this is, we got to treat this like a kindergartner, yeah. right? Like we got to hand, we got to go trace our letters first before we can do just like a simple visual check. Yeah. Sometimes I'm feeling like I'm just picking up the pencil for the first time, you know, uh, when I'm, when I'm working on my, my swing, I'm, I'm not quite to the tracing point. So I need all the help I can get. Well, and there's some great indoor drills too. And, and I think as young dads, I, like, I think that when, you know, again, I love golf and though I'm on the lesson tee a lot, I always say I hit like one ball every two hours because I demonstrate something and then I, you know, half the time I'm demonstrating what I don't need to be working on in my own golf. Yeah. So, uh, you know, having drills that you can do at home, even if it's 10 minutes and, you know, COVID has been great because a lot of people now do conference calls, you know, even if you're on a conference call, you know, you know, can you do a simple wall drill or can you do a drill? Like for you, it'd be like a drill in a door frame to help you understand of how do your hands go inside the door and you keep your club head outside the door, just going mm-hmm. back to shaft parallel, yeah. right. And just feeling that takeaway, but not watching yourself doing it. Like act like you're watching the golf ball or shut your eyes and feel it and figure out those feels. And I would even say go too far. So what would make it look Ryan Moorish or Kenny Perry or Jay Haas or Hunter mm-hmm. Mayhan, right. Where the hands were way in and the club head was way out. You know, there's more of those guys who've, who've been able to be functional on tour than Raymond Florian, Daniel yeah. Berger, who, 
again, bless their heart. Glad they, glad they figured it out. But I think it just speaks to the testament of how, how talented they are. They overcome, you know, what would be typically a very hard move for people to play golf from. Now, by the time they get the club down, the club's back inside their hands, how they do it. I have no idea. So, uh, I mean, I see it and I still go, man, that's, I, I couldn't yeah. do that, but obviously they, they can, and they're very, very good at golf. Well, thank you for that. I haven't cried yet, Brian, but, uh, I'll, I'll work on it and see how it goes. Oh, you're doing a good job holding it back. Yeah, thank Trev. you. I can see yeah, it's it. It's a good thing. Our <laughs> listeners can't see me right now. I'm kind of welling up here. <laughs> yeah, Ben, this has been an amazing conversation. Uh, I can see why you're the best young teacher out there. I'm ready to send my two-year-old to come stay with you. So she'll be there next week to learn some <laughs> golf. <laughs> well, we, you know, I, my three-year-old would probably enjoy it. So, uh, yeah. but no, I, you know, I, I love, I love the fact of what you guys are doing. Um, you know, I think, I think being a dad and, and being a golfer is really hard to find that time and, and find that balance. And, you know, I, I think, I think being a dad is one of the hardest things that, that we've ever done. I know I was ill-prepared for it. And even though I thought I was and, and, you know, it's, I, I screw up every day as a dad, but I think being a golfer, I know how to work through those things probably a little bit better because I've screwed up so much on the golf course. And, and if you think about this, you know, golf's the only sport that we play where we don't train on our field of play and we're literally preparing for a one-off situation that we'll never see again. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. that is fatherhood. We're trying to prepare for the one-off situation. And when you have multiple kids, you would love to like reference some of what you're like, oh man, I did this well last time. Well, you know, that's not going to work this time, right? <laughs> so true. So right. like golf and fatherhood are so similar in that manner where we're preparing for these one-off situations, which acceptable, like we're just trying to be acceptable in our miss most of the time, right? And so appreciate what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, I think, I think these two, these two worlds that we have golf and fatherhood just, just mirror each other so well. And they're both the most enjoyable, of course. I mean, we love being dads. You do as well. So it's a lot of fun. And one day we can get our kids to play with us. That's the beauty of the sport. Yeah, it is. You know, I I still can't believe that, you know, I look, you know, everyone says what's your best golfing moment and, and I've had some mild success playing, but it's still, I remember when it was my granddad, my dad, my brother and I, you know, we were like 10 years old, eight and 10 years old out playing a, a Muni golf course in Rockland, Maine. Hmm. And just, you know, I look back at those times and there's, you know, maybe fishing would allow you that opportunity, but just the opportunity to, to spend time with my granddad and dad and, and brother doing that is, is just so unique to golf. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Do you want to share before we let you go, share where our listeners can find more about you. And if they want to get a similar breakdown, which I think is amazing. I think Trevor's while he, we can mess with him a little bit. I think his golf swing is going to improve tremendously. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So pellygolf.com P E L L I G O L F.com uh, is, is my website. Uh, same on, on Instagram as well at pellygolf. just launched an app back in November uh, that I think is going to really help a lot of people. So if you have the app store, it's nine 99 a month. Uh, it's not a crazy amount there. You can take, there's an Avenue to take, uh, an online yeah. lesson through there, but yeah. a lot of the drills are laid out. And, um, you know, again, I, I'm just trying to help people walk through their journey here. <laughs> is that app the same name? Uh, and, golf and I think, is that, you know, yeah, providing okay. them some opportunities right. to create some feedback stations will help a lot of people. So, so check that out as well. And, <laughs> and, and I'm kind of old school. If, 
you know, I think my cell phone's everywhere. Just give me a call as well. <laughs> I, I, I love talking golf. So I, I never hesitate to, to talk some golf. So if, if people want to call as well, let's go. It is. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in Apple. And I don't know if it's in Android yet. Um, I probably should know that answer, but, but yeah, it's, uh, Pelly, yeah. Pelly golf is, is the name of the app and, and the website and, and you can follow me on Instagram too. And then every Monday we do, we do uh, Monday questions or most Mondays we do Monday questions. So post some questions up there. Like I said, I love talking golf. So, uh, a lot of times I can help some people out, uh, through that Avenue as well. You've just listened for free. Now here's the deal. Go to our website at birdiedads.com and join us. You will get our golf starters guide and our golf coloring book for kids free right now by signing up. It just takes an email. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time.